Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast which asks which movies are well worth watching and remembering for all time. Every episode, we discuss a different piece of film history to decide if it should make its way into our movie vault. Filled with questions, trivia, and crazy challenges, it's the perfect way to deep dive into a myriad of movies. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a glimpse of what to expect in today's episode. The, weird, the weirdest thing, actually, is, is with The Swedish Chef. Is like when I was watching this on Disney Plus last night, I watched a lot of films whatever language they are with subtitles on, and they translate him, oh. which is just it's what he's actually saying, which is just the weirdest, weirdest thing. Oh, that breaks immersion so much. Right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not entertained? I am the fuck. Freak! I'll be back. Here's Johnny. Oh, hi, Mark. They call me... Well, good movies. Hello, it's time to play the movies. It's time to ask if they should be remembered in lights. It's time to meet your hosts on Well, Good Movies tonight. I'm your host, David Osger, and I am joined by my celebrity co-host being held captive against his will by a gang of felt creatures. It's Craig McDonald. Hello, Craig. Is that also a nice subtle hint to the fact that when I was younger, a lot of people did say I looked like Jack Black? I thought it would be something that you would like, yeah, <laughs> essentially. It's, it's the dream of every bearded, long-haired man, essentially, isn't it, to be compared to him? Bit of a stretch, but all right. Well, I'm I'm not saying that it's. I mean, given your accurate, usual but... repertoire, I'm willing to accept it and yeah. you know not push back against it. But yeah, you've had it pretty lucky recently, so I'm like, yeah, just just take the compliment. <laughs> so, Craig, I feel like once again we're going kind of full circle. We're here talking about puppets and TV show adaptations, which feels very familiar to a conversation a few weeks ago. So, similar how to how we ended up talking about kind of buddy cop duos again. Here we are talking about puppets and TV show adaptations. Yeah, but let's be fair. This is a significantly different situation, right? Insofar as this is very much, these are the characters. This is very much a situation of this is somewhat meant to be a continuation. And let's face it, this film is probably good. Well, this one is not of your own making as well, which the you know previous two choices were. Um, but I guess it kind of is still down your vibe or something you know you're you're happy oh, what with. do you mean previous two choices there's a distinct oh, wait, gap yeah, in no, the middle yeah, yeah that's true yeah. don't you dare accuse me of being the one who brought night before christmas into this entire thing don't you dare david i was confusing my head canon when i mentioned the puppets and tv show adaptations yeah there is a distinct hole in the middle of those some would choices. call it a white blizzard sort of blackout <laughs> or whiteout i guess yeah, where we suddenly just thought it was Christmas. We like just had, we're in a coma for for a, an episode. So, uh, for those who haven't seen, who are wondering, Craig, can you introduce us to this week's film and how we came to discuss it? So, last episode we were looking at Twenty One Jump Street, and our end game was very much talking about the adaptations that the that the original creators of that of that property. Uh, were not best pleased with. And in the end, it was a battle between Aaron and Paul. But in the end, we got our winner. And the selection for this week's episode is 
the Muppets from 2011. Would you look at that? Ah! <laughs> we are the Muppets. Hello. 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 And these are our biggest fans. Yeah! <laughs> you excited for our big trip to LA? There's somebody coming. Excuse me. Good grief. Disney presents. <laughs> you guys are so talented. Check it out. Bart shoes. <laughs> The biggest event in Hollywood history. The Muppet Spectacular! Yeah! That is awesome! There's just one problem. I'm gonna shoot straight. You guys aren't famous anymore. Yeesh. So today we'll be talking all about the Muppets and asking the question of whether it deserves the honor of a place in our movie vault, our vault that encapsulates memorable movies for all time. So for those who don't know, the story of the Muppets, uh, the 2011 film, not the entire history of the characters, is uh, a Muppet fanatic with some help from his two human compatriots must regroup the Muppet gang to stop an, a various... Sorry, I should have read this before. I was like, oh, what a, what a distinct use of language they've used. Uh, to stop a villainous oil mogul from taking down one of their precious life-longing treasures. Uh, the film is directed by James Bobbin, known before this film largely for Flight of the Concords, uh, which he sort of wrote and directed a lot of that series. Uh, and then he went on to continue work with Disney um, and other sort of studios. Uh, he directed Alice Through the Looking Glass, uh, but also Dora and the Lost City of Gold. He has also been joined in the past by writer Nicholas Stoller, who has previous credits for Get Him to the Greek, Storks, Yes Man, and was credited with story for Fun with Dick and Jane. And also we have a writer's credit for Jason Segal, who is known largely for forgetting Sarah Marshall in terms of writing, uh, but also has got like a big acting TV career. And of course they do credit Jim Henson in terms of coming up with the original characters. Uh, the music is by Christopher Beck, Cinematography by Don Burgess, and the film is edited by James Thomas. In terms of cast, I'm going to go through all the characters here as well, just so we know like which voices and which characters are played by who. So we have Steve Whitmire as Kermit, Beaker, Statler, and the Newsman, Eric Jacobson as Ms. Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Animal, and Sam Eagle, Dave Goles as Gonzo, Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Waldorf, Bill Beretta as Swedish Chef, Rolf, Dr. Teeth and Pepe the Prawn, David Rudman as Scooter, Janice and, in this film, Miss Poogie, uh, Matt Vogel as Sergeant Floyd Pepper, Camilla Sweetums, 80s Robot, Lou and Uncle Deadly, and then Peter Linz as Walter in this film, joined by Jason Segal, Amy Adams, Chris Cooper and Rashida Jones along with, of course, a whole host of one Muppet performers, but also cameos, which uh, the Muppet films are often known for. We have our own kind of cameos and, and uh, appearances this week as well. So over to who is joining us. Uh, we'll start over with uh, our new guest, uh, new to the podcast. So it is writer Charlie Brigden. Hello, Charlie. We got you on for this episode as uh, you are self-proclaimed lover of all things puppets. How, how true is that statement? Where does, where does that come from? Uh, it's fairly true. It comes really from Star Wars, particularly Return of the Jedi. 
and the Muppets as well. And just, just generally loving films with, and TV with puppets in. And I guess like practical effects and stuff would come into that. Yeah, sure. So just tell us about yourself as what you do so career-wise in terms of your writing. Uh, where can people see your work? What kind of things do you so write about? Yeah, so I generally write um, film features. A lot of the time it's kind of very much based on film scores. It's kind of where my niche is. Um, so, I mean, I've worked for places like Roger Ebert and Fangoria and Polygon. I've had a couple of print stories in uh, Film Stories, the uh, magazine. And also I've written a fair amount of liner notes and DVD and Blu-ray essays for films um, and soundtracks. Well, I'm pretty, yeah, big like soundtrack buff sometimes as well. So and some great publications and stuff there as well. What, um, you know, you might have mentioned some there already, I guess, or one particular but uh, what, what's the kind of vibe of the type of movies you usually go for or, or some of your favourite films or some of the ones you tend to, to watch a lot? Uh, yeah, it, it's always genre films, really. Um, I'm a big fan of kind of sci-fi and fantasy and horror and that kind of thing. Westerns as well. Just kind of really, yeah, digging, digging into genre films, right? That's quite new, actually. Like, we don't, yeah, we get, like, a lot of people say horror um, and possibly sci-fi, but Westerns? Westerns is a new one. Is that kind of like more linked into sort of childhood or is that kind of just the, the genre aspect of it? Kind of. I mean, I've always, always kind of like I watched Westerns with my dad and stuff um, growing up and I've always loved them. And uh, especially now you're getting so many films that are being released that have never been or never had decent releases in this country. So it's kind of being able to, to be able to see those films now in really good quality um and uh yeah so it's just, it's it's nice to be also, it's the same horror really so many horrors that even been banned or have never been released or have always been terrible quality but being able to see these films now in in blu-ray and 4k and stuff it's uh, it's amazing yeah definitely and uh yeah another thing that i would you know definitely advocate for is uh, you know physical media as seen behind me um Right, on to uh, our next guest. Uh, we can't wait to talk all about the Muppets with you today, Charlie, and uh, deep dive into more puppet talk. Uh, but yeah, our next guest uh, has previously talked to us uh, about uh, the love of felt characters, but it does feel very much her time has come in terms of talking about the Muppets. It is Mary Munoz. Hello, Mary. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back and really fortuitous timing because I love this film yeah uh it's and like you said even aside from just the film just muppets puppets you know we often talk about grogu etc so it yeah it, it's well well timed in that sense yeah i used to think puppets freaked me out but what i realized is that it's like the traditional sort of marionette style with the slightly waxen faces it turns out i love puppets because obviously my son is one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i guess when it's kind of like those um I don't know. Yeah, I suppose even with Thunderbirds and stuff like that, it wasn't as creepy. But when it's a kind of like Pinocchio, like a wooden kind of like scary puppet in that sense, that's that's where it turns a bit creepy. But um, again, that that can be a, a good or a bad thing. And I guess where Charlie was talking about, you know, like crazy horror films and stuff on the other side, I guess you also are a fan of that, you know, based on on some of your favorite films as well. So it's it's quite a quite a juxtaposition there. Yeah, a nice broad mix. I think my sort of, I'm really getting into exploring sort of like a, 
you know, 1920s German Expressionist cinema again. I haven't looked at that since I was at uni. I'm really enjoying getting back to that. And of course, that is, a you know, exploring a lot of trauma. So there's a lot of horror there. But yeah, I mean, I like lighthearted musicals and a little bit, of, little bit of cheese as well. You've got to have a broad spectrum of interests. So let's deep dive now into our discussion. Uh, obviously, the Muppets have got a huge uh, history as characters, but they've also got a history on this podcast. Uh, we did uh, during sort of like lockdown period where we were kind of going through franchises or big series of films. Uh, we did deep dive into some of the Muppet movies uh, with our good friend Joe Richards, especially because he recommended those uh, films as feel-good ones to watch when it was lockdown and coronavirus times, uh, which was definitely a good shout. Uh, so I'll go through what are like all the official theatrically released Muppet movies. So we're all on the same page and everyone out there knows. So uh, originally you had the Muppet movie from 1979. You then had the great Muppet caper from 1981. Then the Muppets take Manhattan in 1984 uh, then The Muppet Christmas Carol in 1992, Muppet Treasure Island in 1996, Muppets from Space in 1999, The Muppets, as we're discussing today, in 2011, and Muppets Most Wanted in 2014. So they've had quite a few projects since. Obviously, in between all of those, there's all things like specials, television specials, straight-to-DVD stuff, now things that are going straight on Disney+, Plus, etc. But those are the ones that are considered the theatrically released full feature films. Um, and worth noting as well, the ones that are already in our movie vault. So based on that episode, you know, like we put a you know, slew of Muppet movies into the vault, uh, which included, and this is also from Christmas episodes and stuff as well we've done in the past. So the Muppet movie, the original one, Muppets Take Manhattan, that was a favorite of Joe's, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, and Muppet Treasure Island. So this film we're discussing yet, we have not discussed that one yet. That question has not been asked. Strangely, Craig, I guess we talked about like the more rogue Muppet films specifically in that episode, even though Muppet Treasure Island was put in there. But again, we didn't actually focus on that one. We just all agreed that like that was like everyone loved that one as one of our favorites. But uh, yeah, I think we talked about Most Wanted. You watched From Space for the first time. Yep, that would be right. And Joe talked about Take Manhattan. So yeah, so it's kind of mad that uh, we didn't end up talking about this one, as you said at the beginning. Uh, but obviously then right that, you know, the Muppet movie, the original one from 1979 is in there. Mary, I know you have big feelings towards Muppet's Christmas Carol. I think we mentioned that a bit when you were last on on the Christmas episode. Is it just specifically Muppet's Christmas Carol or is is it the characters in general for you? Um, I think it's quite specifically Muppet's Christmas Carol. A big Michael Caine fan as well and I love the fact that he plays it really straight despite the fact that there's all this Muppet chaos going on. Um, and it, it was my first encounter ever with the Muppets. So I have really fond memories of actually watching that as a sort of Christmas movie and there's nostalgia on that side, but also my introduction to these characters. And from there, I sort of immediately fell in love with Beaker and it's kind of gone from there. So was that film your first experience with the characters? Did it sort of lead on to just the other films? Did you have any experience with their TV stuff? Or Yeah, so I'd never seen any of the TV stuff. I watched that uh, movie. I had it on video. I'm aging myself. I did have it on video. And from there, I think it was uh, Muppets Treasure Island was the first film I saw in the cinema. And then there was the From Space after that as well. And then growing up, obviously, I think we'd gone to Disney, was it Florida? And they've got the Muppets studio there as well. And that's where I kind of 
more sort of understood the characters and deep dived into the the TV show and stuff like that. But yeah, I have really fond memories to say sort of tied up in Christmas nostalgia, but also that was my first encounter with with all these characters, and it was just. I couldn't believe it because there's so many different elements, there's so many different we kind of like um side plots and stuff like that. But also the characters are fully fleshed. They're not um, you know, just like kids' TV characters or whatever. They are they are really well rounded. So and that sort of love of that has continued, you know, as I've got older. Yeah, I think um quite similar for me. I, yeah, it's quite similar actually. I don't know if Muppet's Christmas Carol was my first official in- introduction, but I can remember getting that video for Christmas. And then I remember seeing Muppets uh, Treasure Island in the cinema. I specifically remember that, like, cinema trip. Um, but then all of the other stuff came afterwards. Uh, Charlie, what, what, what about yourself? Did you sort of grow up with the Muppets a lot? Have you got a big big history with the characters? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we, me and my wife love the Muppets. She loves Muppet Christmas Carol particularly. Um, it was really nice to be able to go and see it in the cinema. But it came out again at Christmas, and they didn't, they included the uh, the song they deleted as well, which is kind of a weird deletion in the first place, really. I'm trying to think, of my earliest memory, when I was a kid, they showed um, a behind the scenes thing on Return of the Jedi. Um, it was on ITV, um, and uh, it was called Classic Creatures. And what it did is it, sh- it showed all the kind of new kind of creatures and stuff that were in Return of the Jedi and how they were all kind of created and puppeted and stuff. And then kind of shows kind of the context of monsters and puppetry and stuff in there. So you had like King Kong and Godzilla and other kind of monsters from there. Uh, and it also showed the Muppets as well. And had a, had a fair bit about the Muppets. Um, so I think that was probably my kind of earliest encounter with them and uh, seeing the uh, the Muppet Show on TV. Yeah, and just, just kind of grew with it with that. And um, so, yeah, there's always kind of been affinity, even when, when they show up in American Wealth in London. Um, the little section in there um, has, has always been a favourite of mine. And, uh, yeah, they're, just, they're great characters. And the songs especially are uh, are amazing so yeah it's just kind of generally generally just been a from childhood onwards never really stopping thing yeah they're kind of what they're a bit like i suppose like disney in the way that's why in some ways it feels kind of apt that they did purchase them i think some franchises obviously it's they're very good at taking care of properties that they then buy and then making sure that they've got some sort of like you know creatives or people originally tied to the franchises to be involved with it as for their own properties and franchises that's up for debate in terms of like how they look after those but the stuff they kind of buy in or the separate studios they generally look after i think um and i think that that's why they do kind of vibe quite well with the muppets because like disney films like the animated films people have grown up with them and they you know they have that affinity for them and they have those memories of the characters and i think that the muppet show even like where mary was saying that you know the films were her introduction i think that you know the same for me i think you kind of get a a sense of the legacy behind them even if you haven't grown up watching the muppet show and i know for myself there was kind of you know you would see things like the phenomena you know so like skit and 
and things like that. That TV show especially, you know, it, it ran from 1976 to 1981. And there's been loads of like documentaries and stuff about it uh, over the years. And now you can watch all of that on Disney Plus. And no, I haven't watched the entire thing, but you know, I'm slowly making my way through because I was like, I, I feel I should, you know, like watch this. Since they released it, I've been trying to watch the odd episode when I'm in the mood for something crazy or fun like that. You know, and it and it is just good natured fun. It's very silly, you know, great songs, great jokes, you know, and a lot of people I guess would have the relationship with Sesame Street as well, which I guess isn't as big a thing in the UK, but in the US. I guess yeah, maybe that's where one of my first interactions with Muppets would be. Cause I remember having a Sesame Street video. So I guess Kermit showed up on there sometimes as well. They're just they're so embedded in our culture that it's almost like they're not puppets, they're just characters. And uh, and that's just what it feels like. It just feels like they've been around forever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Craig, what about yourself? Do you Have you had similar experiences? What, what did you grow up with first? I think for me it was a case of knowing about them because of, uh, you know, the films have already been mentioned, Christmas Carol, Treasure Island. And then it was basically when I got into sort of like my 20s, I think, I did a little bit more to try and, <clears throat> you know, watch back various things and just actually, but also just try and follow some more of the, like, the modern stuff. So, for example, David and I, we both loved the sort of office-style show, The Muppets, that they did. Like, we just enjoyed that. And also, I still watch, I, I'll make myself watch a couple of, like, the more modern specials every now and then. So, I definitely follow them a lot more at the moment. Um that I sort of did as a kid. I think as a kid, it was very much, I just knew about the characters, but didn't have much access to a lot of the wider library. So that's why even in the last episode, you know, that we discussed Muppets, it was my first time watching Muppets in Space. And there are still a few of the films I haven't even had a chance to watch yet that probably should rectify at some point. But like, there's a lot of films I also need to get around to watching at some point. So it's very much a work in progress. I think that, Jim Henson is a big part of like, you know, starting that, that journey because he was, you know, so big on like positivity and teaching children in like the right way as well. And, you know, creating, like bringing these characters to life. I think that that's why there's been so many documentaries about Sesame Street, about the Muppets, why they mean so much. And I think that's where the Muppets show, it kind of, that's why it's interesting within the context of this film and how they approach the characters in modern day, because it really is a kind of like time in a bottle sort of essence to the Muppet show. I think you can't really replicate that all that much now because it was a different time in which it was the Saturday night's entertainment kind of show. And when I watch that now, it reminds me of when I see other things from that time period in which you got like Morecambe and Wise and the two Ronnies and stuff in which they would do like musical bits and then there would be, you know, this sketch and then this like singer would come on and then the celebrity guest of the week, you know, you can imagine the family sitting around and watching the Muppets in the same way. Um, so I think that that original show, that's what's kind of like appealing about it. And I think since they've kind of like tried similar things, like I think, was it like Muppets Now they tried on like Disney Plus? I don't know if you watched that one, Craig where they kind of maybe tried to do like online skits, kind of like Disney Plus streaming sort of style. And I was like, not sure if this works quite as well, whereas now they're doing more of the kind of gone back to the kind of scripted stuff, which in a way I kind of 
think works better now for them, but it might just be because I grew up with the more scripted films and, and TV shows, etc. I think there's a lot of things at play here. I think it was really interesting what you said about, you know, this kind of like 70s variety show kind of style, which is really what they emerged from. And I think that if you if you grew up watching that type of show, then, you know, people still, as you rightly said, people still talk about Morphin Wise, all that sort of thing. There is a very huge uh, nostalgia hit with all of that. And if you grew up watching that, it probably still has the same appeal now. But I also think that... Um, you know, when, when Charlie said that they are characters, they don't feel like puppets. It's not like you're watching, you know, like with the, with the Thunderbirds thing and you can literally see the strings as they sort of jangle along the, you know, moving from left to right on set. These do feel like characters. Like there's no way, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, Kermit, Miss Piggy, Beaker, whoever. And as I said, you know, at the start, they are you know, fully fleshed out, you know their personalities, you know what each one's going to bring. So with, you know, Beaker, it's the anxiety, and with Animal, it's the chaos and all that sort of thing. So I think that they've endured because they're so easily identifiable as well. I think that's really important. I think if you want people to buy into what could be construed as a, you know, a quite saccharine brand of happiness or type of type of show I think you have to give them that edge which they do have because there's lots of kind of sarcastic cutaways and all that sort of thing but I also think you have to flesh them out and I think that's what the Muppets are they are really identifiable characters and I think that's what's kept them so popular yeah I mean something that in universe they try and maintain but I think it also applies for real life as well is they are basically just celebrities right like the fact that people clamor to sort of like have them specifically on talk shows or just have their pictures with them not like them and the puppeteers it's just specifically them i think very much just builds this idea of these uh these are just individuals i can't i can't say people because obviously not human um but these are very much uh individuals that you want to engage with and you just feel like they have like their own ability to respond to things you talk about, right? That's why they are fantastic guests on talk so talk shows because they still have the ability to sort of rip on uh to like riff off things. Um it's the same with other characters to a lesser extent across the board as well, but with the Muppets, they very much sort of made a brand out of it. Yeah, and I think when you look at like Thunderbirds as Another example, the difference there is, again, it's kind of like, like Mary said, you can see the strings, it's very different, but that is kind of like, you know, an action thriller show. So it's kind of still about, you know, we were talking in there about, in that episode about how, you know, it would be fun when you see them sliding down into the vehicles and stuff. So it's a different kind of enjoyment of like, oh, look, you know, they're getting in, in the rocket and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the the fun of the danger of it all, whereas the Muppets, you know, it's a comedy, it's it's a, it's an entertainment. So I think the fun comes from, you know, Kermit throwing his hands up, you know, like, yay! And, you know, like when Miss Piggy kisses somebody, you know, it literally is just, you know, like just full on, you know, teddy bear in face kind of moment. So I think that what I was always impressed with with the show as well is that, you know, they always have been regarded in that way there was no you know it wasn't even like episode one like oh he, these are the muppets gradually they built up it's like no straight away it was kind of like the guests always treated them as like real beings and interacted with them that way and interacted with them as characters and i think it's that that ability you know when you see them talking to them and they're always on like a stool or a table or something and they're always talking to you know that character you know they're not looking anywhere else and they kind of defy the laws of physics and gravity but 
as we'll talk about in this film, it's just the physicality of them, but also, I you know, I was trying to watch, you know, this film and just be like, that's just like two little beads and like a little mouth flapping. That's all it is. But it's the simplicity of that. And it's, it's hard not to see it as that. I remember when I went to, uh, when I was in Washington, you know, they have this Smithsonian, so it's all different museums and they had the kind of like film and TV museum. And I remember they had like Dorothy's shoes or something, the ruby slippers. And I was kind of like, oh, wow, look at that. Look at the history. But I was kind of looking in more of a kind of like, look at this historical artifact, look at the little like tears and stuff. And then near that was like an original Kermit. And I was just like, it was just magical. I can not explain it as anything bar that because it was like, it was like he was looking at me and I was like, oh my God, look, there's Kermit, you know, and you could see it, you know, it was, you could see the little like, the material and the eyes but you know i didn't look at that and just go like oh there's that puppet i'm like there's kermit you know uh charlie you brought up like how you were you've written about return of the jedi recently about you know and the fact that actually that film introduced you to the muppets do you think do you think there's a difference is it the same aspect of people liking the practicality of puppets and and uh practical effects or do you think they work on on different levels i i think like Craig said about them being celebrities, um, I mean, with, with the Muppets, there's there's no fourth wall to break. It's already been broken. They are the characters putting on the show. Because so much other puppetry is about creating characters like Thunderbirds. Like if, if the Muppets did Thunderbirds, they'd be going down the little hatch and, and, and going down the little ramp towards the ship, and suddenly it would break down, and Kermit would come in and bring down Scooter, and uh, it would all be kind of a mess, um, and that's also. In, but even though it is a mess, they work together, and there's and there's always kind of like the belief that they have in each other that kind of extends to uh, to the suspension of disbelief of them as characters. Oh, see, this film today kind of encapsulates a lot of that because it's. You know, bringing in the history of the show, um, of the actual Muppet show, which I guess hadn't really been referenced all that much in the films before. I guess the Muppet movie is maybe the closest, but again, that's sort of treated as a kind of like origin film, but they still go very much down like its own storyline. Um, and then many of the other films, especially in the 90s, kind of go with this kind of theatrical element of like the Muppets do this big story like you know Christmas Carol um, Muppet Treasure Island so you know this this was really you know quite a big reboot for them in a way because they had done a lot of stuff on TV in between Um, but I guess it kind of hits at that time in which there was a lot of nostalgic properties happening we're still going through that bit now but I think we're on the tail end of it and people getting a bit sick of it whereas I think back in 2011 it was a bit more fresh there was that element of you know like using things like yogi bear and the smurfs and things like that and the chipmunk films but so i guess they were kind of trying to grab onto the popularity of those films but in a more meaningful deserved way in the sense that like you know they are the actual performers and the actual characters and the actual puppets and you're actually referencing their their legacy um, and not sort of changing them up or trying to make them for a modern day, which I guess even again, this film kind of references that in some ways. Um, but what I also thought was interesting is that, you know, looking at it through that 2011 lens, especially recently, Craig, because we've been talking about 
21 Jump Street, etc. And quite a few films from like the noughties. It does seem like that era, I guess, was also kind of kicking off the career of some of these like writers and comedians. The fact that the writers and actors involved are involved with things like forgetting Sarah Marshall, Game to the Greek, Flight to the Concords. There seemed to be a lot of self-referential humor, which kind of like helps the Muppets in a way, I guess, because you had a lot of things like Deadpool, 21 Jump Street, Lord Miller, all these people who were kind of like, we're in a movie, this is going to be the sequel, then this is when this happens. So the Muppets almost were kicked that off in a way, this 2011 film, I don't know if you agree, but when you look at like 21 Jump Street, you were like, oh, that was a year later, in which again, they're kind of like referencing the fact that like, oh, you know, we're going to like reboot a TV show and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I definitely don't agree with the assessment that Muppets kicked this off. I think a lot of other properties were just doing that in very small doses. I think the thing that Muppets does different from that era is I actually think the sort of very critical, harsh stance it takes against itself insofar as, look, let's face it, the Muppets are just not popular anymore, which is actually kind of a bitter pill for a lot of people especially if you are a fan of the Muppets, to just accept that's the premise of your film. The Muppets, insofar as cultural icons, have basically disappeared. Everyone's around you is basically saying you are not popular anymore, you are not famous anymore, and them having to just go, having to essentially admit that they have to work themselves back up, essentially. I think every other property is very much a like sort of reboot of the origin, and they just assume they're like, oh yeah, you've never existed in this world before. This is a film in which, no, no, we're going to acknowledge all of that history. It's just, lol, there has to be a reason why you're not like doing things to the same extent as you were in the past now. And they just go for, you, you just aged out, guys. Yeah, you are right. I don't think that this did, you know, officially kick it off. But obviously in the context of me then watching it, be like, oh my God, did this do it in 2011? But looking back, yeah, definitely not. But it seemed that was the, the sort of vibe at that time. There was that style of comedy uh, which they saw like latched into quite well. Charlie, what what's your memories or first experiences with this specific 20, 2011 film? Um, well, it happened yesterday. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, yesterday was was the first time I'd ever watched it. Um, I was never sure, kind of, I guess, because the Muppets was always kind of close to me, and I was probably coloured a bit as well by the fact that I think Frank Oz and maybe a, a couple of other people kind of spoke out against it. So, yeah, so I kind of ignored it for a while and then kind of got on the list where, yeah, I must watch that at some point. But uh, I never got around to it until, uh, until you asked me to come on this. I'm glad uh, we, we give the opportunity to, to strike that off the list then. But yeah, it, yeah, it is interesting when you get those opportunities to visit something for the first time like I said, when it's built up a kind of legacy, but then obviously since, you know, they had a sequel, but then they kind of gone back to the Disney Plus stuff. So they're still alive and kicking in a lot of ways. But yeah, definitely not from their, their heyday, as Craig was saying, is, you know, the film does kind of replicate that they, the glory days, you know, are past them. And, and obviously the fact that originally they would have had the likes of, you know, Jim Henson, of course, you know, Frank Oz, etc. Um Mary, did you have uh, much previous experience or uh, memories with this film? Yeah, I saw it at the cinema um, and loved it so much that me being the sucker for merch that I am, I bought myself a Walter. Um, I think what's different about this reboot, though, because it is a reboot, 
right? I think we're arguing it's a, a reboot. I think with like Jump Street and Thunderbirds, to me, it was like they were trying to reboot for an entirely different audience with almost, there are a couple of nods to the fact that they've, you know, their origins in, in TV shows, but I think they were definitely trying to capture almost like an entirely new generation of cinema goers. I think with this film, it really acknowledges that the the span or the longevity of the Muppets has been a really long time and they're not necessarily, well, they are trying to attract new cinema goers, right? Because that's what films are about. But they're, they are also still really playing on the people who have, you know, been there, seen it, you know, the whole time. So I think that whilst it is a reboot and it is obviously fresher than some of their, you know, original uh, like TV show or even fresher than some of the the movies they brought out previously. I do think it's different in the sense that this really, because Walter is so in love with these characters, we sort of go on that with him. And there's an assumption that you love the characters too. And that's why you're here and that's why you're watching it. Or you want your kids to love the characters or your nieces and nephews, whatever. So I think it is slightly different in the sense that although it is a reboot, and I think many people are getting a bit weedy of those it's there's a slightly different sort of context to it all yeah definitely yeah i think so and and yeah you're right i think there does kind of like walk that line of like 50 50 in terms of like new audiences i think the the musical aspect for example like even though the you know the muppets have always been very musical um and songs have always been a big part of their repertoire i think that you know here they're kind of tapping into more again the kind of like comedy musical maybe some of the you know like some disney aspect in some ways as well whereas previously again it kind of was more like felt the part of the scene you know like take for example the muppet movie where kermit and Fozzie are in the car you know like that just seems like you know they are singing they are there with the guitar and you know when he's there later with rolf you know and he, they're playing the piano they are genuinely singing in that moment it's not like in this film in which it's genuine you know an actual song and dance number actually happening so again i guess that's where you know they're they're playing in different aspects i guess it's something that they had built up to through christmas carol and treasure island but those properties are different again because they're dealing with stuff in the past and you know with costumes so it's almost as if the muppets are like hey we're putting on this production whereas here again it's like we're back to the modern day they live in like society like kermit has a house and stuff so it's changing where the Muppets sort of exist cinematically as well. It's like one minute they're like, oh, they are the actors. The next minute is like, oh, they are, you know, the the celebrities and, you know, they exist within our world, etc. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how they you can kind of see the generation changes. I guess, Craig, even we kind of saw that with Muppets in space. Is it from space? I, I can never remember. Um, whereas that was kind of like a bit more 90s and like being like, ooh, you know, like space and aliens. But um, yeah, like general thoughts for me, like we, I, similar to you, Mary, I saw in the cinema, I think me and Craig went to go uh, see it originally. I think, you know, I definitely sort of like had a good reaction to that kind of like feel good aspect to it, kind of bringing in the nostalgia, the humor of it, I guess, you know, being a fan of some of the stuff that the writers um, involved with you know like liking that style of humor you know i think a lot of the jokes still very much do stand up still quite well um i think even like actually the visuals and the production itself still you know is is very you know solid and i think that you know there's a lot of heart in a lot of like elements of the story um you know there's some things which i don't think you know are exactly perfect um but i think it is a good reboot and it is a good you know like love letter to 
the Muppets in some ways. You know, there's some things they could have done differently and there's some ways they could have like maybe tugged on the heartstrings a bit more, referenced stuff in the past. But I think it is that line that they're walking. But I think ultimately, you know, it is a fun time and it is a good way to sort of like get them across to, to fresh faces. And I think Walter is a fantastic way of doing that. I think he does really stand out as as a great character, you know, as, as this new Muppet, which they were saying at the time. Um, you know, Craig, I remember at the time we had a, we had a sort of similar vibe. I don't know if that's changed, but... I, I wouldn't say anything's changed about it. Um, I enjoyed the film then. I still enjoy the film now. A lot of the moments that stand out to me, I think are probably going to be the ones that stand out to you. Um, just some of the things like in the Life's a Happy Song, just the building up all the rhyming and when it gets to Life's a Fillet of Fish. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, it still stands out as one of my favourite favorite like song moments in a while just sort of like self-referential with regards to you know musical humor etc insofar as like pulling on the the heartstrings i i do actually think a lot of this film it's hard for me to evaluate to what extent i think they could have done more with it because i think there are definitely a lot of emotionally resonant moments in this film that i think for something that you know really wants to take itself you know a very very light-hearted you know it's a film about a boy who's essentially a muppet realizing he's a muppet falling in love with the muppets you know wanting to follow the muppets it's actually surprising how much like genuine emotion there is about like you know nostalgia like being self uh self-reflective even a lot of the uh, a lot of the songs do that very very well to the point i actually do think it's like quite emotional and quite quite gripping at times um i think my only criticism at the time that we saw the film was maybe that like there's an extent to which they might like overload some songs a bit too chaotically a bit too pointlessly i think my i think my view has shifted on that to a more actually i'm chill with this because a lot of these songs are actually pretty damn good so yeah no i just i just have like a very good time with this film and i do also like revisit it from time to time a lot easier now that it's on Disney Plus, etc. And Charlie, this was your first time experiencing it, so uh, you know, no pressure. But what what was your thoughts of uh, seeing it for the first time? What 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 do you what do you overall think of the film? Um, I, I think it's a good film. Um, I think it, it's hard to say that any film that contains the Muppets is not a great film. <laughs> um, I think it was lovely having those characters back and. The kind of yeah the the way they respected the uh, the the history the legacy of them um, was really good um, and kind of the way it did kind of I, I guess go back to let's do this we've got we've got to go on a mission to to do this kind of uh, kind of feel with it especially with them kind of going around and, and visiting all the uh, all the muppets and stuff and and seeing where they were. And the, the the music was good as well. The songs were good. My main issue is that for me, too much of it is perhaps driven by the humans, with Jason Segal and Amy Adams having the the uh, the, the big kind of um, number in the, uh, in the in the the beginning. It just didn't feel like a Muppet film to me. It, it just kind of it was it was enjoyable in its own right, but I guess the fact that so many of these moments, and like Greg 
said the emotional, emotionally resonant moments were kind of reserved for human. It was either water or the human characters, um, as opposed to kind of some of the Muppets where it might be in a previous film. And I can see why they were, why they kind of went that way. Um, but just kind of those, some of those moments just kind of didn't work especially well for me compared to, uh, well, compared to the bits with most of the Muppets in, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's kind of, yeah, when, when they, when they came on screen, especially with, with Kermit, um, that was kind of where, where the, the real life was, uh, was injected into it. Yeah. And I suppose it's that, that tricky position they put themselves into in a way is the fact that you need to introduce Walter. So then your introduction to the Muppets, I think works quite well in the sense you see it through his eyes, you see it on the, the TV and the, you know, the VHS tapes, all of that kind of element and seeing the merchandise and everything like that. But then you are getting the sense of the legacy of the actual characters and the show itself, because then later on you do follow the Muppets themselves. So maybe there should have been maybe a dual kind of introduction of seeing you know, how things have changed or how they started things. I think it works in, in Walter's eyes and seeing that, but in terms of then having the human characters introducing that town and everything like that, like um, you said, I think it is an element of like, oh, is this a different film? Is, you know, is this the more Disney-fied version? I think once you get to the actual Muppet characters, that's when it really starts working. I think that the comedy sort of saves it at the beginning. And, and like you said, it's a good film in its own right, but I think once once the Muppets and the bigger cast arrive, that's when it really gets into its groove. And I suppose that that's where some of the faults lie then later on, I think, is the fact that it's like, oh, well, now we're interested in Kermit and, and Miss Piggy and everything like that. And I think Walter still manages to stay in there. He still manages to have his storyline and it kind of comes around full circle, but then it doesn't quite hit quite as well for the other characters. I think like Jason Segal's character, I think where it's like, uh, the fact that he has the like manner of Muppet, you know, like it's a, it's a fantastic song. Don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic sequence, but that to me is always like, you could feel Walter's kind of like torn aspect a bit more than him. Whereas like for, you know, Gary is it? I'm like a bit like, it never seemed like you were kind of like, am I a man or a Muppet? It seemed like you were quite happy as a man, you know, it's, whereas Walter maybe, yes, you know, you could argue that a bit more. Um, and his entire relationship, you know, with Amy Adams's character, I think it just becomes a kind of like a real side add-on to the film um, and kind of just gets tacked on right at the end. And the fact that the, uh, the the relationship kind of drama and the anniversary thing between Mary and uh, and Gary is so kind of upfront, kind of, I, I guess I'm probably judging it against something in the past where that, Kind of would have been given to uh, to Kermit or someone like that. So it just it just for me it just kind of feels like it's displaced a bit because it's because it's human characters doing that and not Muppets. For me, I think the odd thing is that I think in order for like that human story to realistically work to its fullest, I actually think that Amy Adams' character needed to be a bit more hesitant at certain actions. So I think once the Muppets you know the get everyone together storyline kicks in she's very much just there along for the ride for pretty much all of it and doesn't actually voice much disdain for it so i can see why it ends up creating these sort of two separate plots that don't fully integrate with each other quite uh quite well enough um 
I think at the time, I think every time I watch it, I'm willing to sort of just forgive those factors, just because, you know, the performances are enter- uh, the performances and the concepts are just entertaining enough for me. Even though I think they could have definitely given Amy Adams like a lot more to do in this film. Yeah, it's not like she she's not playing like a, a difficult girlfriend or like an awkward person. You know, she she comes along and she saves the day with the electric power thing. But then at the same time, I think it's just like from a like a writing point of view, it's like it's hard to kind of like back or get behind the person who doesn't want to get involved in the Muppet adventure to an extent. The fact she's like, I'm going to go home and you stay and help the Muppets save their theater. And I'm like, I get that it was your anniversary, but again, it's kind of hard to get on board with the fact that they like, who wouldn't want to help the Muppets? You know, like you almost feel that she should be like, yeah, I'm loving this. Like, you know, forget our anniversary. We can do that next week or something. I think they, they should have set up some better kind of like torn aspect. Like, I don't know, maybe they were about to have a child or something and maybe he was too childish or was getting, you know, shooting himself out of cannons like Gonzo and she was like whoa this is a Muppet thing you should you know like be a man you know something like that I don't know I'm just going off the top of my head but (laughs) I think they I think they pretty much have that though they just don't really they just don't really do it it's very clear that she's concerned about the amount of effort that he puts into their relationship specifically so much I think if you listen to sort of her first solo song talks about it's not it's never about me and him it's about me and him and him. So it's very so it's very much a what the conflict realistically should have been is just when it came to it, it's like you seem to put in so much effort for other people's relationships except for your own. Um you do need to prioritize it a little bit more. And I think you can still run the the man or the Muppet stuff involved with that, but they for obvious reasons, because there's a lot going on and also just a lot they end up having to cut from this film anyway uh that doesn't really you know help us basically mary when we're talking about you know sort of like flaws of the film do you have anything that stands out you know is that element of it a standout for you as well yeah i have to agree there's there's three plots going on right there's the gary and mary giving mary a bad rep everywhere (laughs) Uh, you know there's there's their relationship which is obviously not working for her there's Walter's journey of self-discovery or self-acceptance, whatever you want to call it. And obviously there's the sort of caper against the clock type of thing going on for the Muppets. Two of those storylines are Muppet storylines. One of them isn't. And for all that, I absolutely adore Amy Adams and will defend her to the death. It's a waste of a plot. Like the, the entire film could exist without Gary and Mary's relationship. And I think that's a shame because she is really like chronically underused in this film. I mean, she looks... Great, you know, she's got her, like her, you know, everything's all in primary colours and she looks like this, you know, beautiful, like little 1950s pinup. So there's almost like a nostalgia and a, and a retro in the way that she dresses. <sighs> to me, that part could have been played by anyone. They didn't have to be Gary's girlfriend. It's just a sort of side character. And I don't know if it's just maybe poor writing, but this all comes back to like characters being fleshed out properly, right? And we understand Walter's intentions and his objectives for the films. Uh, Gary slightly less so, but I mean, Mary could literally just not exist which is a sentence I never thought I would say. But yeah, to me, that's just, it, it does let it down. Even her Party for One song is probably my least favourite in the film, and I feel so bad about saying this. But because the overall sort of enjoyment factor is, it's this really like upbeat, optimistic, hopeful, you know, self-acceptance, love yourself, find your people type of film, it is quite a noticeable, like, why are you here type of thing. Whereas like even... 
you know, Chris Cooper's character, and I maintain that his rap is one of the best things to ever happen to modern cinema. But again, you understand his intentions, you know what, what his character's out to achieve. Um, yeah, the Mary character is just, it's a side plot that I, I just don't get why it's there. Yeah, definitely with what you said about the party of one song, um, where she's got the first verse, and of course, and then Miss Piggy comes in. It's like, in a Muppet shoot film, Miss Piggy should play second fiddle to no one. It's kind of, if, if you're going to have, 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 have someone sing a song like that, it should be Miss Piggy. Um, yeah, and she's such a diva. It's almost like you're surprised that she allowed that. And I'm saying that like seriously, yeah. like because we do think of them as like celebrities and characters in their own right. So why would she? Why would she take the second verse? Especially considering how Miss Piggy re-enters the plot at that point anyway, which is already kicking someone out who is trying to dethrone her position as most important in the Muppets cast. It's a bit odd. And to be fair as well, I think given how quickly me party is introduced and leaves again as well i i think that's sort of what caused my initial criticism of oh this this just seems like there's too many songs because it's that then it's the text richmond let's talk about me rap which i i agree is it is something well maybe i have fun trivia about that rap maybe i don't we will will see when we get to that segment true well yeah i think that yeah that the the me party one does is always stood out to me it seems a very much an element of like everyone gets their song and i think it works in the sense of like having that kind of musical jukebox of like here's this kind of like genre of the song as well um but yeah it's, it's definitely unfortunately the weakest of of all of them um and i think for me as well when i think of great like muppet songs there's the element of like how is this progressing the plot and what is the story with the song i think that you know scrooge for example what a fantastic way to bring in you know like scrooge into that and you got the muppets you know you got the great lines like you know like no cheeses for us mises but then you've also got the kind of like you know like element of like you know he's so cold and so it, it works on both levels of the darkness of the song and also the comedy you know similar with marley marley etc whereas you know, I think this film, again, that goes back to what we were saying earlier about like, sometimes it just wants to be a kind of general musical. Sometimes it wants to be a Muppet film. So I think that's why Pictures in My Head works very well, because it's using the characters and also Am I a Man or a Muppet? Because again, they're using Muppet characters within that. Granted, not our usual Muppet cast. But, you know, if we're talking about musical numbers and songs, I'm guessing those are the ones that are going to be high up on people's lists, because I think... Mano and Muppet, obviously that, you know, was one of the standouts when it came out, you know, it was at the Oscars, etc. I remember seeing it for the first time, it was like as soon as Jim Parsons comes on as like Walter's human version, I was like, perfect, absolutely perfect. So, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's a great song. And I think that um, going back to uh, Pictures in My Head, that also is a similar vibe of using the Muppets, you know, of like, it, what what happens quite a lot in this film actually as well is that sometimes the Muppets can be quite sort of restrained and kind of hold themselves back maybe for budgetary reasons but in this you know the whole coming out of the pictures thing is actually quite cool I was like you know I was like oh I forgot how how good this looks you know like when Fozzie first pops out I'm like you know it's a, it's a great effect and and it kind of makes sense to what they're singing about the fact that Electric Mayhem for example are singing about you know the great times they had you're like yeah you know that makes sense they were the band you know so and and Gonzo especially, you know, he's just like the great Gonzo will, you know, ride again and etc. And 
And that's what works so well about the character because he's so endearing. He always wants to do well, etc. So th- those are, those are the two standouts definitely for me. Um, what, what about you guys? Any Charlie as a first time watch? Was there a standout for you? One which you you've been humming, you know, overnight? Or? Um, not necessarily humming, but um, I think the uh, I'm not sure of the name of it, but the, the song that that kind of opens and closes the film. But like you you mentioned Muppet's Carol and Scrooge, the uh, the kind of Here Comes Mr. Scrooge song is kind of the way that that works so well for me is you've got Scrooge, Michael Caine, and then everyone else the Muppets, all of it. So it's it's almost like 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 they again they they've put on a show, and all the cast apart from the one celebrity are all Muppets. It's always going to be the rainbow connection for me though so that was so seeing that reprised in the film I, I kind of almost thought that maybe you could have kind of maybe had a very similar opening to the Muppet movie and had Kermit on a lily pad or in a place somewhere just singing that song on his own and then for the reprise to come back when they're all together yeah, it's a good point. I think even like they, they, you know, that it's great that that song comes back. And I remembered it being, I was like, oh, this was actually shorter than I remember because you kind of think of the film having like a big sort of like last hurrah before doing mm. um, happy song again at the end. And I suppose it is Rainbow Connection because um, even like the image of them all like holding hands in the suits. I was like, oh, mm. you know, this is, this is so like charming. Uh, Mary, what what's the standout to you? Yeah, I mean, actually, Life's a Happy Song does feel very much like a Kermit kind of vibe. So I think you're right. I think they kind of missed a trick there. Um, I mean, my favourite is the the Tex Richmond rap. Like, it's just, <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. It's so unexpected. He looks so awkward doing it. He, I've never seen someone just look like they are not meant to be rapping <laughs> as Chris Cooper in those scenes. Um, and some of the lyrics made me laugh. Like, I think he says something like making like Robert De Niro's or something like that. The lyrics are really funny. So yeah, and I just, I like that whole vibe that he's got with Uncle Deadly. Like they don't even laugh properly and things like that. They just say maniacal laughs. So I like the fact that he got a little rap number in there. So Yeah, well, um, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that soon. Um, as for like other like, you know, comic moments and I guess like cameos, as we've already mentioned. I think, you know, you brought up Uncle Deadly there. That to me, that was like, I was, when I first saw this film, I was like, who's this guy? I've never seen him before. I didn't realize he was like, you know, had a history within the original show, etc. And I'm glad they brought him back because Craig mentioned earlier again, that kind of sitcom they did, you know, the Muppets on ABC. And he was a big part of that. And I'm like, I'm glad they brought this character back because I think he's really funny. He really works. You know, he's so serious and and dour and and dark and like, I'm evil, but I'm actually like just really aristocratic and, and you know, like well-spirited. Um, I think he works quite well, similar to, I guess, why I like, you know, Sam Eagle. You know, he's one of my favorites as well because he's just so serious and just his face, you know, just the like, hmm, you know, and the like shifty eyes, etc. Um, it's just you can tell a lot about the characters we were saying earlier just from that visual, from that like, you know, design of the character. Um, so I think that, you know, that's a nice bring back as well. They maybe could have done a bit more to set up like, you know, deadly earlier on. But the fact that he's like, you know, like, why are you doing this? You know, when he's trying to betray him and he's like because i am a muppet you know and you were a man and you know he says about the you know the fact that you cannot laugh and all this kind of stuff i think that's a great moment but um but in terms of you know other emotional moments i suppose there's um 
when Walter says the Kermit, you know, you're my hero. I was just like, oh, like, you know, that just hit me in the feels like when they're trying to convince him, you know, of like, you know, to, to join them, etc. you know, to like find the Muppets, you know, I think that that was just such a nice moment. And again, that is brought back in a very nice way later on when Gary says, you know, Walter is his hero. And I'm like, this, this film does such a great job of, you know servicing Walter in the right way of not making him just like oh he's just this annoying new Muppet or like he has a kind of like introduction and then we forget about him like they do really make him the heart and the center of it so at the end when Kermit's like come over here come over here you you know you feel really emotional at that moment because you're like I'm Walter you know like you you've gone on that journey with him so I think you know the emotional moments definitely come from him and 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 a lot of the funny moments as well. I think, Mary, you sent me like a gif of, of one of them, which stands out. I think it's kind of lasted throughout time since this film's come out, which is Walter running away from the from the studio after hearing the evil plan. Yeah, no, I absolutely love Walter. He really is the heart and soul of this. And I think that there is, and this is what the Muppets do really well, like there is a real danger that his sort of journey, in inverted commas, it could become really over the top and really cheesy, but it is it's, it's a more sort of subtle sort of just find your crowds type of thing. Like you will you will find that maybe people are having a rough time in school or college or uni or whatever, and it's like no, you will you'll sort of you'll settle and you'll find your crowd. One of the most emotional moments for me though is I think because I did have this sort of childhood connection to them was the fact that when they did get the show together and they turn around and you know they quite literally have no audience, so they talk about how they're irrelevant and how nobody wants to see them anymore and it just kind of panned down really quickly to that entirely empty theatre and you're like oh god nobody does care about the Muppets anymore and that sort of hit me a little bit because you're sort of going along with all this chaos and there's all these various plots going on all of a sudden there's this real moment of like stillness and quiet that I don't think you're kind of expecting in a film like this and that to me was one of the more emotional uh, scenes because it was like wow they, there's literally no one there and so although they're being very self-aware about you know how relevant they are or not anymore that really struck me as being quite a quite an emotional uh, point in the film and for me that's then massively juxtaposed by the end of the film when they when they obviously fail to raise the money and they have that slow defeated march out of the theater only to get outside and everyone's just there cheering all of the all of the signs. I think the one that really got me, and it's such a simple sign, but I think it was sort of needed for this story to work, was just the one person who had a sign just saying, we're so glad that you're back. Um, I saw that and I was like, yeah, that that's doing what it needs to do right now. I did also just enjoy like all the small moments that whenever Kermit would say something to Walter, just like, like you know, welcome aboard. And he's just there like, it's the, the best thing he's ever heard. All incredibly beautiful moments. And then we have the chaotic comedy of everything they do to Jack Black in this film. Just everything they do, going from like anger management and just like having all those trigger words, he starts punching people, to like the entire kidnap scene is one of the weirdest things I've seen in like a Muppets property. Just all of them dressed as ninjas with like the logos appearing. I love how the Swedish chef has like a black ninja, like, you know, a chef's hat, but like a black version of it for the ninja. And then he says like, yeah. no maskin," And Piggy has to like, you know, iterate, no maskin." <laughs> I also did laugh massively uh, when Swedish chef, when they were re- uh, rejuvenating the theater, he opens the fridge, all those ingredients like, hey, you're back. And he's just like, burns them, scorches them all. Yeah. 
the weird the weirdest thing actually is is with the Swedish chef is like when I was watching this on Disney Plus last night, I watch a lot of films whatever language they're in with subtitles on and they translate him. <laughs> oh. Which is just oh, to, to what he's actually saying, which is just the weirdest, weirdest thing. Do they what do they try and make sense of it or does this just say... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's just what what yeah. Oh, that breaks immersion so much. There's a joke in um, the sequel to this, Most Wanted, in which, like, they have the... There's a song they do in which they're interrogating the Muppets, the police, and then they bring in Swedish Chef, and he's like... And they're just like, we need to bring in a translator. And the translator's like, he's just saying schnoop to schnoo. This isn't Swedish, (laughs) you know, like... So if they had said gibberish as, like, the subtitle, like, I'd understand. Especially because I think, apparently, in in Sweden, that character is called Norwegian Chef, which makes me laugh. Of course, so. yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to know a guy in Sweden, and he always got really upset over the Swedish chef. <laughs> my my, my favourite moment is such a stupid throwaway moment, but it's when um, Kermit goes in, in to see Miss Piggy, and Pepe's there, Pepe the Shrimp. Pepe's um, great. And she's like, scram, frog. And <laughs> I, I love Pepe so much as well. Yeah, I'm glad that he goes moment because, you know, I think, again, they reference this in the sequel, but some of the smaller characters don't get their moments. Like Rizzo is kind of like, doesn't really like shine, you know, doesn't really get a line at all here. Um, you know, there, there's a few Muppets that don't get to have you know, comedic moments or, you know, it's just strange because some, some of them have played such big parts in, in other projects and stuff. And, you know, I've like watched videos exploring like, you know, reasons as to all of this, but, um, you know, I think in some ways I do watch and also think like, well, I'm glad you did focus on them at least. And, you know, like Rolf, for example, I think that he kind of like faded into the background for a while. He wasn't really in, um, Christmas Carol or Treasure Island, but like, I'm glad that they give him his moments here because especially I feel that, you know, there's a lot of Jim in Rolf because he said that he was one of his favorite characters to play and that he felt that he was the most like him as a character. And I think that you can tell a lot of his sensibilities and the type of character he wanted Rolf to be. I think when I was young, I just saw it as like, oh, he's just the dog. But like the older I've got, I'm like, the more I understand Rolf. And, and obviously Craig, we loved that moment when we came out of the cinema of just like, you know, oh, we all had our moments of, you know, like our backstories, you know, which we saw in montage. It's just like, and then Rolf's just being like, yeah, mine was great times. And it's just them being yeah, like, why, why didn't you use mine in the montage? I, I thought I had a pretty interesting thing to say. Hey, Rolf, huh? Do you want to come join together? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Classic. It's just the fact he's on a hammock just sleeping. I just love that as a vibe. He's just like, yeah, you know, I love that. But, you know, yeah, Swedish Chef does get a lot of great moments. I think even apart from the ones you said, I think like when they don't hit the target as well, when he like hugs the chickens, that's quite fun. When he's just like, you're a chicky. But um, yeah, the one uh, was some of the... I also like Bobo the Bear. Um, I think that he's always funny. He's also in, in Muppets in Space. Um, like when is it with Deadly when they kind of reference the like together again? It's yeah, like, yeah. that's that thing in which he's like antagonizing the villains, in which he starts goofing around, and the villains like stop that. <laughs> he's just such a fun, fun character in that way, um, and he's so physically different to any of the other, the other Muppets. I think that yeah, that that's 
And that's why I was surprised is that a lot of the jokes in this film still stood up, as I said before, like they, they were still just as funny. Um, and a lot of that comes from the characters. I think the physicality, one that stood out to me, which again, wouldn't be something I would usually laugh or find funny in another type of film. But Muppet Man, I think is just hilarious for some reason, just the look of it. And it's just the physicality of the way they do it, of like how he like comes in and he's holding his waist and like his arms constantly curved. And I love the fact that Miss Piggy says, I can't believe I fell for Muppet Man. It's just, you know, they're acknowledging the fact that like, yeah, why did she fall, fall for this? But it's just perfect because it's fuzzy as the head. I think that's what works so well about it. Yeah. I also do really enjoy uh, the Muppets as a, as a concept, especially like, because obviously you have all of them having like their own roles and then... And just you know having their own puppets and then just the animal is just dave Grohl in an animal <laughs> yeah costume. i didn't never notice that until this watch actually wait what no i you yeah. didn't no maybe i maybe i did and i just forgot but yeah i was like oh wow <laughs> i think i think one of the best things i can say is, can um say about this film is, is that they gave animal a genuinely emotional arc yeah and that, that that final moment when freud tells him to take the drums is just a was just a general amazing and i love animals so much anyway yeah same well we're talking about them being celebrities and stuff as well when you think of the merch like you know there's a lot of kermit merch out there but animal again he's like you know he's got his own line of t-shirts and everything you know going on you see animal everywhere so people like you know do love that character um not to mention the fact that they are uh like animal as well as the rest of electric uh electric mayhem have their own show at this point mm, yeah exactly so like i just i just finished binging the entire thing and i loved it from what i've seen it does look yeah like great vibes and and i'm glad that they that you know again it's what we said before is you know they stick to the characters you know like it's always janice is always like oh peace love and you know like animal is still kind of you know i don't know as to what degree they go to but he still is kind of like a womanizer in a, in a way and uh mary uh, have you got any final sort of like funny moments or standout uh, hilarious moments? Um, I would say there was not enough Beaker. I'm just going to float that out here oh, before yeah, we true. go for because he has always been my favourite ever since he handed his tiny red scarf over to, to Michael Caine. So I would say there was not enough Beaker. Um, but I think for me, is I just really like the, the chaos of it. I love the, you know... Walter running, screaming. I love, you know, Kermit with his arms in the air. And Muppet Man would have been, as you've touched on, that was, I had to pause that. But then, because I haven't seen this in years, and I actually had to pause it because I had tears in my eyes laughing. It is the most ridiculous, over the top thing ever. And he's swaying from side to side. And I think she actually says, I can't believe I fell for it again, which makes me, so I'm like, okay, context for when you fall for it in a previous time and place. So that for me would have been my standout um, sort of funny moment. Of all the sort of guest appearances, I think my favourite is Emily Blunt. I love her doing her, you know, bored, eye-willing, Devil Wears Prada assistant again. I'm so glad that she cropped up in that because I just think that she, it was the perfect little addition, especially given the character they made, you know, Miss Piggy for this film. It was like the perfect uh, appearance for that. So, yeah, I would say they were kind of my, my standout moments as uh, Muppet Man and uh, seeing Emily Blunt with her excellent fringe in this. It was really well done. Walter does have some great moments like his face obviously like you said when he's screaming and when he's on the bus and everything like that I also like when he's describing like the Tex Richmond when he's just like there's oil oh, under the this yeah and he's just like, he's like maybe that's just how he sounded in my head <laughs> it's just like... I'm also a big fan of the entire Gonzo deciding he's going to rejoin the Muppets 
and yeah. what that means for his business is <laughs> auto destruct. Yeah, yeah. And it's like everyone run. They're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously they just have like that cheap explosion. They're like, wow, that was a really, really fancy explosion. I'm surprised we had the budget for that. Oh my god. Well, it's, it's similar to again. That's why the visuals do work when they do because like the traveling by map, for example, like when they come out of the beach, and I was like, that looks pretty good. Like they actually, you know, the car comes out of the ocean. There's all people on the beach, etc. So yeah, they they make their cuts in the right places, you know. So that explosion one makes sense. But but yeah, when I saw that, I was like, of course, Gonzo has a self destruct business <laughs> button. That, that was just fun. All right, get your cassettes, rewind them, and play them again, because it's time for VHS Corner. So in this edition, I'm basically going to talk you through some of the behind the scenes of the film, just noting things here or there, um, and then afterwards we'll see if any of them uh, really piqued your interest. So I think we'll very much start with uh, a driving force behind the creation of this film as a a whole, uh, which obviously we have to say is is Jason Segel. He very he pitched the idea of writing this film to Disney uh, quite er- uh, quite early on in 2007. Both him and Nicholas Stoller approached Disney to write the film. Disney weren't sure how to deal with this at first, given that uh, Segel had literally just done full frontal nudity in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, so they were quite hesitant about having him on board, but. They relented after they realized that he was an avid fan uh, and therefore they requested um, they approved the project. Uh, he said that he wanted to do the film because the last film in the series to be released in theaters was Muppets from Space in 1999. And he felt that the younger generation was missing out on enjoying one of his, his childhood favorites. So very much wanted to bring this film forward. Um, he does have a number of interesting behind the scenes uh goings on mainly in ways that are meant to embarrass and humble him these are probably my two favorites so during uh during the filming he observed a choreographer uh dealing with uh one of the cameos uh mickey rooney uh and basically calling him dad to which point he he wanted to stand up for for mickey rooney and said uh you can't just call any old man dad uh, at which point the choreographer, who was a Michael Rooney, had to turn around and go, no, no, this is actually my dad. Uh, so he ended up standing up for someone, despite the fact there was no need. The other thing as well, and I think this is quite funny, uh, he was given one of the feedback cards from an early test screening of the film, where the producers attached a handwritten note to it to say, to keep you humble where one of the kids who watched the film, when asked to describe what the child audience member did not like about the film, the child wrote in response, Gary's face. And this was given directly to Jason in order to have to deal. But I would say that he actually came out of it quite good because after finishing the film, uh, one of the things that Jason Segar was given uh, to basically remember the film was the Muppet version of himself to keep from Man or a Muppet. So he is currently in possession of that Muppet. Um, So does that mean they'll ever appear in the feature? Probably not, but it's a cool thing for it uh, to still exist and basically be given, uh, given out. One thing that's important about the film, and I'm glad that we talked a lot about the sort of effects of the Muppets, is that in some, in some areas they were asked if they would use CGI in order to, you know, get around a, a number of different uh, practical concerns. 
Um, but this never happened because specifically uh, they wanted to ensure that they kept all of the same effects that they would have used in the original Muppet show in order to keep that level of authenticity. And I think that's why a lot of the shots feel so uh, like cool to us because these are things that are actually done in the Muppets and basically keep it consistent. Let's talk about uh, the rap that I promised for Mary. So specifically Tex uh, Richmond and the rap. I think there's a few things to necessarily note. One, he was literally taught how to rap in order to do that in order to do that role. He was taught by Brett McKenzie uh, to basically how to rap and use all the typical rapper mannerisms in order to be able to get it out. So I think that's why it stands out because it's such an alien concept to that actor. Um, there is a cut of that song and the full version of this does actually appear in say, the soundtrack where he actually explains why he hates the Muppets specifically. So it's not just about the idea of, you know, there's oil under the studios, but there's also like a deeper, oh yeah, the Muppets have wronged me in a particular way. Essentially what happened was at his 10th birthday, uh, everyone got distracted with watching the Muppets on TV and they were all laughing along. And when he tried to laugh, obviously he can't laugh. He just says maniacal laugh. Uh, they all made they all made fun of him. So that's why he hates the Muppets uh, because of a bad experience at his tenth birthday. One thing I think we do need to actually address about Tex Richmond uh, is that the role was actually written for Alan Rickman. So, <laughs> so if you can, so if you imagine how. An actor like him would have handled everything like that. Um, which, to be fair, I think insofar as the sort of, you know, big name sort of approach, I think makes sense uh, for why the Muppets would necessarily want to go for someone like him specifically. One thing that I also uh, also want to mention. So obviously there are a number of people who weren't involved in this. So uh, it was mentioned earlier that, say, Frank Oz um, wasn't involved. And that's one of the reasons why Charlie was originally put off originally frank oz was going to be the director of this film but apparently did not like the script to the point that they ended up walking so that's why in the end uh frank left and obviously there are a number of different uh muppet before uh muppet performers who did not who did not return uh specifically which is a which is a shame but at the end of the day i do understand all right Let's now talk about the big one, which is going to be Disney's involvement, because obviously this is the first thing uh, that Disney basically released uh, with the Muppets name. A few things to note. One, our good buddy Walter. Why do you think he's called Walter? Yep, he is named directly after Walt Disney. Uh, so that is the first way in which Disney very much tried to get their grasp on the property. The second uh, the second thing to, uh, that they did as well is that um around the same time of this film coming out is uh is when they got their own star or the day prior to the film's dvd release is when they were awarded a star on the hollywood walk of fame it's uh situated in front of the el capitan theater which is owned by disney uh and the muppet theater in the movie is the el capitan theater specifically so very much again Disney Association, Muppets Association, very uh, keeping that alive. The final thing I want to talk about is probably the 
the darker thing to do with this, but I, I think it's probably important because the Muppets are well known for a lot of their sort of song parodies and uh, reinterpretations of songs. And I think the one that everyone will remember from this film is the Barbershop Quartet of Smells Like Teen Spirit, uh, which a lot of people loved. In fact, uh, Dave Grohl and uh, Chris Novoselic, uh, surviving members of Nirvana, uh, both love that rendition. Someone famously, however, did not like that uh, that rendition. That person being Courtney Love, the widow of Kurt Cobain. She gave an interview in which she accused the Muppets of, and the term that she uses for what they did to that uh, to Cobain's legacy specifically is not a term I'm going to mention on this podcast because it is a very very harsh sexual term. Um, but yeah, basically. The filmmakers apparently never received her permission in order to do this, uh, which is why she has such a disdain for this. But um, uh, Grohl and Novoselic, uh, like I said, they both love the renditions. Grohl's even in the, the film itself, right? So he would have had an ability to say, this is going too far. Uh, but neither have offered to say anything about Love's comments. In fact, they both physically refused to do so. So that is everything from the behind the scenes. So was there anything from that that particularly caught your ear? I'm just wondering if their uh, their idea of Alan Richman as Tess Richman came from the bit in Die Hard where he pretended mm. to be an American. I was thinking that because it reminded me of the whole like uh, one human, keep one actor, the rest are Muppets. So I was thinking mm, you know, yeah. like Die Hard is sometimes sort of maybe suggested as that. So that, that seems to have an element of that in which, you know, you could keep... Alan Rickman. I'm not sure if he would have been like the best for, you know, that character, I guess, Tex Richmond. They might have, you know, obviously changed it to be more of a Southern character to, to fit with uh, Chris Cooper. But um, yeah, I'm not sure if I would have, you know, unfortunately now we won't get to see it. But yeah, whether we it would have been better to have Alan Rickman in a, a, a different situation. I don't know if it would have stole the show a bit too much. I, I, I don't know. I feel like the maniacal laugh bit might be a bit too scary for kids. Yeah. True. Instead of it being this very much like meant to be sinister but very lighthearted, like maniacal laugh, yeah, not, he would just be maniacal laugh. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine some kids being a bit freaked out by that. Yeah, I think you'd want to see him in a genre kind of piece like Michael Caine in Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anything else that stood out for people, Mary? Mary did have a big reaction to the Alan Rickman one, so yeah, no, only because I, I read his diaries. Um a while ago and he is like quite famous for being like quite grumpy on set yeah like he doesn't like the sitting about he doesn't like the waiting and part of me thinks that would have played in perfectly to just being annoyed by muppets like i think that would have worked really nicely i'm quite shocked at the the visceral reaction to the the barbershop quartet i mean i kind of assumed that in order to use ip like that you did have to go through layers and layers of sign off so the fact that they somehow managed to do it without that yeah, I think it's a question of specifically who's sign-off, right? Because um, presumably, because I, I think it's dependent on like who has that ID, whether or not they would actually need Courtney Love's permission to use it. I'm not 100% sure when there are surviving members who would have had more of a direct involvement in the creation of the song. And presumably they're just like, lol, this is fun. Yeah, go for it. It's clearly not offensive in any particular way. And let's face it, Courtney Love has also had a reputation of being quite aggressive to anyone who doing anything perceived as disrespectful. 
I think the irony is like Kurt Cobain probably would have loved it. Yeah. As he did the Weird Al version of it. Yeah, that is also true. Yeah, it's it's you know it seems like the rock star kind of like humor in there. Even you know Jack Black being there also is you know helps that to an extent as yeah. well. Um, but also the entire segment is them talking is Jack Black going like you're not seriously doing yeah. barbershop and even joking like this is this is tarnishing one of the greatest songs that, like that's part of the joke also interesting with the Disney stuff as well because again, I never made that connection of Walter um, but it is it Same. reminds me it is weird to see a Disney castle at the beginning of these films I think that they should do a Lucasfilm if they ever do like Muppets theatrically again I think they should get rid of the castle I think it is too distracting I think you should just have Jim Henson Studios or whatever whether they own that you know probably not because they still make other um, Henson productions outside of Disney but it it just feels like they should just have a Muppet Studio logo or something like that Um, you know like they do with Lucasfilm I think it'd be a bit just it's just a bit distracting when you see the Disney castle and you're like wait what What, what's going on here you know like it puts you in a, a weird frame of mind for that but um but yeah so that is our trivia for this week. Um, so now on to our final segment, which is the movie vault. Uh, so anyone new to the podcast, we like to think of this as a time capsule of memorable movies for someone to dig up in the future. So should the Muppets 2011 gain the honor of a place in our movie vault and be remembered for all time? Obviously, I've uh, alluded to what other Muppet projects have gone into the vault. Uh, but this year we have had a mix of, you know, some famous films that didn't make it in. Uh, sometimes lesser known films do. Sometimes it's just based on that vibe. Do we enjoy it? Do we not? You know, is the, does it need to have that whole conversation about does it have to have a legacy, etc.? Craig, what what's your thinking? I mean, I'm a firm yes on this. I think that even if we do necessarily have our, like, issues about, like, the mixing of the plot, I think one... If there is ever a franchise that is in need of a sort of a modern revival, I feel like this is definitely the approach that they should be taking. Um, you know, basically showing a lot of showing a lot of the legacy um, in ways of this, uh, which is quite impactful, but also just showing the ways in which you know people still love the property for what it is. I still think that it shows the best of what the Muppets can do. Um, even if there's too much of a focus on the hum- uh, on the humans at parts, so at which point I would say, yeah, I think this this cleanly goes in for me. Mary, what what do you think? I am really torn because it's it is a good film and it's enjoyable, but it does have its flaws, and it's not my favorite Muppet movie. However, in the spirit of you know the optimism and cheerfulness of the film, I'm going to say yes because actually. I think Walter is launched as a character beautifully. I do think it's really respectful. And despite the fact that I do have one or two issues with it, it's it's the Muppets. <laughs> so I'm not really going to say no to that. So yeah, I will say yes. Yeah, I think it's easy to get torn, like I said, because it's like, oh, well, it's not my favourite one. But then as we previously discussed, you know, like when Muppets Take Manhattan went in, for example, you know, like Joe like loved that film. And, it, you know, it it's very much depends on your experiences with these films with these characters which characters get highlighted what storylines happen and i think you know it it is a tricky one because you know of how well the plot is and things like that as well but as craig said you know they they reference the history so well they do a good job of kind of rebooting it to an extent um and also then the trivia of the fact that they still do a lot of things practically which you know i i respect 
Uh, Charlie, this is your first time on the podcast. Uh, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, it's, I think Mary nailed it, really. Um, it's the moment. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay, then. So, yeah, well, uh, you guys have uh, convinced me as well. And I think, like you said, you know, it, it, it's a great way of, uh, yeah, rebooting something, bringing in new characters, but also referencing the past and uh, one that kind of fits in, I think, with that collection of Muppet movies that we've already got in this. So, yep, yeah, okay, go uh, go in, go in, Muppets. <laughs> I'm instructed. Into the movie vault goes the Muppets from 2011. Do you agree? What else would you like to see go into the movie vault? Please do let us know. But now we get to our final section, which is the end game. We're in the end game now. Okay, endgame time. So, predictably, this is the film that has given the Muppets its first ever Oscar. Uh, I think it is very predictable what the name of this endgame is going to be. It is very simply going to be Man or a Muppet. Basically, the Muppets have a has a large, large expanding cast of very, very different characters. And I think within the universe of the Muppets, there are a lot of fascinating both Muppet characters and also human characters. Uh, basically, what I've done is I've got a list of different names. I'm going to give them to you one by one. And I want you to answer if you think it's a man or a Muppet. To clarify, to be answered a man, you have to be one of three things. One, just the name of a human character in the Muppets universe. Two, a name that I might have just altered from a Muppets character. So it might be that a variation of this is a Muppet, but because this isn't what that variation is, it will be a man. So essentially is just think of it as if it's a Muppet, you answer Muppet. If it's not a Muppet, you answer man. But as always, we need to understand what it is that we'll be playing for. So as always, it will be the opportunity to choose the film for next episode. So I won't have a selection this time because uh, as David tried to allude to earlier, I've been doing quite well for my selections recently. But basically, we'll go through and just have a little bit of a hint as to what it is that you would like to suggest going forward. So, David, tell us about your suggestion if you have one. So, yeah, my film is from 1986. The tie-in with this film for me is very specifically to a certain character, one that we've not talked about at all. Uh, Whether you can consider them a Muppet, a puppet, I don't know. But it's a character which is in this Muppets 2011 film. In my eyes, this character and this original film is the inspiration for this character. And I think uh, very much stays true to the kind of elements of something from the past, you know, looking at something from the 80s, very much like the Muppets being from the 70s, 80s. Um, You've got a physical, practical character, which is used in this original film and also sticks to the theme of, you know, man or Muppet. Um, This film very much sticks to the theme of like, are they alive? Oh, no, I think I know what you want to suggest. (laughs) Oh, no, if I'm right. Okay, so that's David's suggestion. Uh, Fantastic. Mary, tell us a little bit about what you'd like to put forward. Well, I had a few thoughts, but I'm going to stick with one that popped into my head initially. So obviously, this The Muppets was a TV show. It's now a film. So I've gone for TV show to film adaptation. Uh, This is a film from 2009, and it's very sort of satirical. There's a lot of kind of fourth wall breaking 
But also, I think you could argue that quite a lot of the characters in this film are indeed Muppets. Okay, interesting. So we've got a fourth wall-breaking TV convert from 2009. And finally, Charlie, tell us a little bit about what you'd like to put forward. Right, so uh, this is a film from 1992. Um, it has two titles, depending on where you live in the world. Um, and it has a fair amount of puppetry, including a baby called Selwyn. Okay, interesting. Quite a right, widespread of decades there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so which of those three will be brought forward to us for next episode? Obviously, if uh, if you win the end game, it doesn't have to be your own suggestion. You can choose any one of the three suggestions in front of you. But before we get to that, we need to know who it is that's going to win. So I've got 10 names. Uh, I do have a tie break related uh, if necessary. And your first name is Annie Sue. Is Annie Sue a man or a Muppet? Mary, who did you go for? Is it a man or a Muppet? One for man. I'm going to lose this very graciously. Man. Okay, and Charlie? Yeah, I went for man too. So... Is Annie Sue a man or a Muppet? Annie Sue is a Muppet. From from the TV show, uh, she is the pig that at times is trying to replace Miss Piggy. She does actually have a cameo in Most Wanted, um, but not in this film. Okay. And here's one that I think uh, David will... Uh, appreciate me putting in the effort for so I'm giving you a little tagline uh, before this one so the next name is Waldorf's ex-wife Antonia so is Waldorf's ex-wife Antonia a man or a Muppet okay Charlie who did you go for I went for Muppet Okay. Uh, Mary? I've also gone for Muppet because I thought it was Waldorf is in Statland. Waldorf? No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Waldorf is indeed a Muppet character. That's not in dispute. It's whether whether or not he has an ex-wife called Antonia. And the answer is... Man. Because Waldorf's ex-wife is Astoria. That's a, that's a trick oh. question. <laughs> Of course. It's fine. I think the next one I think is actually quite nice and will get us back on track. So are we ready for number three? Mm-hmm. Sweetums. Is Sweetums a man or a Muppet? Okay, you've both gone for... Muppet. And you are both... <laughs> Correct. Sweetums is indeed a Muppet. Okay, are we ready for number four? Dr. Strange Pork. And we've got our first divergent. So one of you will get the point. So Mary. And Charlie, you've gone for? Muppet. And the correct answer is? Muppet. Got to be in pigs in space. 
Yep, that is exactly where they are from. <laughs> I know Craig said that like man would just be for ways made some some name up, but it is funny to think that they potentially <laughs> would be a man called <laughs> called that. Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Muppet kind of films, at least. Okay, next up. Oh, the other thing I should probably say, in case this comes up, this is including like the entire sort of Muppets universe. So um human characters from like Sesame Street could also randomly pop up. Uh, this isn't necessarily reflective of the next one. I just thought <laughs> I should probably bring that up in case some uh, some of our eagle-eyed viewers wants to roast me in the comments. <laughs> the uh, cookie monster. Anyway, number five. K. Edgar Singer. Is K. Edgar Singer a man or a muppet? Uh, both answers in. Charlie, you have gone for. Ma. And Mary, you've gone answer. for. Which is Muppet? Are they a man or a Muppet? They are a man. So that is another point for Charlie. Number six. We all know the lovable Fozzie Bear, but is. Fonzie Bear, a man or a Muppet? Okay, we've got another divergent. Charlie, you've gone for... Muppet. Okay, have you seen this character before or is this another... It sounds like something they do in one of their skits. Okay. And Mary, you've gone for... I went for a man because I thought they might have had the Fonz on and sort of dressed them up and brought them into a skit like as a real person. Okay. So... Are they a man or a Muppet? It's a man. Fonzie Beard does not actually exist. Uh, what I was hoping might happen is because obviously in the Muppets and they have the Muppets, they obviously have uh, Fo- uh, Fousey Beard. I was hoping maybe somebody confused his name and maybe they said it was Fonzie Beard, potentially. But yeah, as far as I can tell, Fonzie Beard does not exist. Oh, they went down the happy days route. <laughs> I mean, it would be impressive if they still wanted to reference things from 20 years ago. But then... <laughs> okay, next up. Beauregard. Is Beauregard a man or a Muppet? Okay, you've both given me the same answer. You have both answered Muppets. Uh, any particular feeling on this one? Yeah, he's the taxi driver in uh, the Muppet State Manhattan, I think, or Great Muppet Caper, and he was in he keeps in the closet in the Muppets. Okay. That's a lot of detail. Mm. Because it's correct. <laughs> that is a point uh, That is a point for both of you. Beauregard is indeed the Muppet that they find in the closet in uh, when they're clearing out the theatre and he's asking where everyone's been all this <laughs> yeah, time. Scooter finds him. Scooter, yep. All right, number eight. Huxley. Is Huxley a man or a Muppet? Okay, so you've both gone for the same answer again. Uh, Mary, man or a Muppet? You know, like Huxley's a name that's mentioned in Christmas Carol. So I've gone for man because there's a lot of people, a lot of actors in that. Okay. Uh, Charlie, do you know more specifically who Huxley is? No, it sounds like it would be a butler or something like that, but I haven't actually. Okay, well, are they a man or a Muppet? 
They are a man. Another point to both of you. Specifically, they are um, they are the helper of one of the villains in a special that I cannot quite remember off the top of my head. So we've got two uh, two questions left, and looking at the scores, uh, Mary has a respectable four, and Charlie is slightly ahead with five. So there's still very much everything to play for going into these last two questions. Number nine, Constantine. Is Constantine a man or a Muppet? Okay, you've both gone for the same answer. And Mary? I said Muppet because, again, I feel like I've got a vague recollection of his name being mentioned at some point, and I'm pretty sure it was in reference to another Muppet. But my my memory is there. Okay, okay. Charlie, do you know who, uh, who Constantine no, is? No, but I recognise the name, and it sounds like a Muppet name. Okay, so are they a man or a Muppet? They are a Muppet. So that's another point to both of you. David, who's Constantine? <laughs> He's the character most wanted who wants to steal the crown jewels of England. <laughs> Specifically is the um, is the doppelganger of Kermit the Frog who ends up framing Kermit for the crimes that end up getting him locked in the gulag. And has one of the so, best gags in that film, which is, you know, Walter has his, yeah. like, screaming moment. He has the, like, imitating Kermit in front of the TV with the, yeah! <laughs> also, I find it's some random trivia, but I find it very, very interesting that the man who played Constantine puppet-wise and voiced him is now the actual performer of Kermit. <laughs> I was like, all that, all that training and imitation paid off, I guess. <laughs> yep. I was also tempted to put in the human character from Most Wanted, uh, Ricky Gervais's character of Dominic Badge, uh, Badgy, oh, or yeah. is it spelled Bad Guy? And was he and like the Lima like, or something? Is like his name the criminal? The Lima, yeah, is his uh, criminal alias. Finally, to go into the last question for the round, we have Doc Hopper. Is Doc Hopper? A man or a Muppet? Um, we've got one final diverging. So will this be a tie break or will we have a winner? Charlie, are they a man or a Muppet? A man. I'm pretty sure they're in the Muppet movie. Might even be the, the person that was trying to get Kermit for the frogs though. Trying to remember. I went for Muppet. I, honestly, I suck at quizzes so bad. So Doc Hopper, are they a man or a Muppet? They are a man. So that is one final point to Charlie, which means the final score is Mary. You say you suck at quizzes, but you managed to get five out of ten, which is very respectable. Uh, but ahead on seven, we have the winner of today's game, Charlie. Congratulations. Thank you. Sorry, yeah. Mary. First end game appearance, first victory. How'd you feel? Bad for Mary. <laughs> Don't know. Honestly, this isn't my first rodeo. I am the worst person ever to have on your pub quiz team. I remember nothing. <laughs> To be fair, I think in a world in which animals are like scientists and stuff, I think Doc Hopper, yeah, like if you heard that, you'd be like, oh, that must be like a Muppet. But, <laughs> but specifically, uh, the description of the character, uh, I believe Charlie is correct. I believe they are the villain of the Muppets movie. Yeah, he wants to make frog legs from Kermit. Yeah. But with that, because we have the winner of today's endgame, we now allow the winner to take the spoils. So, Charlie, of the three films suggested, so you have David's suggestion, Mary's suggestion, or your own, which would you like us to discuss next episode? Um, I'm going to go with my own, thank you. Okay. 
So feel free to reveal to us what that selection is, as well as part of your reasoning as to why you chose it. Okay, so uh, that selection is Brain Dead, aka okay. Dead Alive, the Peter Jackson film. Um, because um, because I thought Meet the Feebles would have been too much, um, but uh, certainly the uh, the puppetry and uh, the kind of manic energy that that film has, I think, uh, is enough of a connection to the uh, to the Muppets, and I think Jack Peter Jackson is probably a fan as well. Okay, fantastic. So, uh, David, have you been able to find out for us where we can watch that film to get caught up for the next episode? Yeah. So, um, and you said 1992, did you say, Charlie? Mm-hmm. Was this? Yeah. Uh, when a sum- Sumatran rat monkey bites Lionel Cosgrove. Is that the right summer? Yeah, sure. yeah cool. Yeah, yeah. So you can catch it over on Amazon for rental at the moment, uh, is your main source. Uh, as well as uh, possibly out there, there might be some uh, physical media releases. Maybe Charlie might, might know, having talked about Blu-rays and DVDs in the past. It's definitely had a DVD release. Cool. Well, yeah, uh, go check out Brain Dead before our next uh, podcast episode if you want to join in the conversation and uh, watch along on our crazy uh, timeline of films. Yeah, definitely a, a, a road I want to go down for a while because, like you said, it's always weird when you look at like Lord of the Rings and you're like, oh, where did this guy start? And then you're just like, oh, okay. And yeah, I think you're right. I think Meet the Feebles might have been a bit too far. But, but yeah, I'm glad I've never seen it. So I'm glad that I do get to kind of finally jump into that, that rabbit hole. I thought you were a trustworthy boy, but going out behind my back with that oily shop girl, kissing and cuddling in public. Mum, she's experienced. Lionel loves his new girlfriend. Oh! Oh! Almost as much as he loves his mother. Mom! But Lionel's mother is different. Your mother ain't my dog! Not all of it. She's not very well. Your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, everyone else is not very well either. They're getting sicker by the minute. I kick ass for the Lord! <laughs> Soon, there won't be anyone left. It's quite a collection of stiffs you got down there. Who isn't? <laughs> Brain dead. It's all right. You can look now. Brain dead. <laughs> So yeah, great, great suggestion there. And again, go into the kind of more crazy like horror stuff, I guess, in a way, Craig. So uh, that that'll be interesting. Yeah, this will be this will be something that we've not fully embraced. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, uh, thank you both for joining us. It's been a very fun episode. It's always a fun time talking about the Muppets. Um, we won't roast you too much from uh, Statler and Waldorf here. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, Charlie, where can uh, people see some of your writing? Where are you on social media? Any projects you've been up to recently, such as the Star Wars article you want to shout out? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I did another retrospective for uh, Return of the Jedi, just looking at the, the film generally. Uh, there was uh, Roger Ebert. Uh, I did, yeah, I did a piece of Fangoria that was much more concentrated on the puppet and practical effects side of things. Um, I have a Substack, um, 
which is called Movie Drone. Um, so you can find me there, and that also has a link to all of my writing as well. Um, and if you're on uh, Twitter, you can follow me at Films on Wax. Awesome. Go check it out. Yeah, definitely be checking out The Return of the Jedi one. I know I've been uh, enjoying all the celebrations of that film, uh, having its 40th anniversary. Mary, what about yourself? Anything you've been up to lately you want to shout out uh, or you've got coming up in the future and where can people find you on social media? So I've taken a bit of a break, um, but I am back on it as of this podcast. Um, you can still catch all my Glasgow Film Festival coverage over at Movie Scramble and you can obviously give the Movie Scramble podcast a listen as well. And if you want to join the fun on Twitter, my handle is at Miss Mamie Peas, and that's Peas as in Garden Peas. <laughs> um, just in case you think it's a different kind of Twitter profile. Um, so yes, you can come and follow me on there. Awesome. Yeah. Right. So yeah, well, yeah, go check out all the, the movie coverage there. So yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you both on uh, discussing uh, this movie. Um, obviously the Muppets from 2011 made its way into the movie vault and we've had very positive vibes you know I brought up a Henson quote earlier so I'll uh, conclude with another one which is I've always tried to present a positive view of the world in my work it's so much easier to be negative and cynical and predict doom for the world than it is to try and figure out how to make things better we have an obligation to do the latter so I think that's definitely the vibes that we've been uh, echoing today and one uh, which especially in these times we should stick to. Craig, would you echo that or are you going to bring us back down to earth with something dark? I was going to say that just felt like such an at towards a lot of my personality. So thanks for that, that, David. (laughs) Right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, we will catch you next time talking about Braindead. Go check it out on Amazon. Thank you, Charlie and Mary, once again. See you next time. Bye-bye. Yay! To keep up with the latest episodes of Well Good Movies, you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us, subscribe, and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Well Good Movies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future. And if all of that isn't enough, you can also find us at our website, freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies, where you can catch all our episodes along with videos and articles deep diving into the worlds of film and television. So what are you waiting for? Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next time's episode.